Did you notice that? He makes a play of being amused by the attention of other people. But when he is the focus of a conversation or the focus of a situation, there is a deep discomfort in his character. And so that's one of the things that I tried to keep when I wrote what might have been, but one of the things I purposely got rid of when I wrote him in Ties That Bind. Because not only do you have to know what his foundation characteristics are and how you're going to use them from one AU to the next, you have to know when to let that part of him go. Because while that worked for his character and what might have been, there is no way that someone who identified as a dom as a very young teenager and who was trained in in a um, very harsh but hedonistic pleasure house in Singapore would be uncomfortable with attention. The John and the Sentinels of Atlantis is even more uncomfortable with attention. He spent his whole life trying not to get noticed. Despite being physically attractive, he's tried very hard not to get the attention of multiple people. He didn't want the center to know how powerful he was. He didn't want the military to know how powerful he was as a sentinel. He avoided guides. He avoided his family. He avoided, avoided, avoided. And this is a part of his character in canon that I I amplified in Sentinels of Atlantis to um, an unhealthy degree on purpose. McKay is actually more difficult to move around in an AU um, because his personality is super strong. Whenever I want to shift Rodney's character, I shift him in childhood. In what might have been his 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 deep and personal um, attachment to Jeannie is is the reason he didn't leave Earth. And why does he have that attachment when he didn't in the canon? Because of what happened to him as a child and how he felt he abandoned his mother and sister. Um, so that abuse and then eventually that overwhelming desire to protect his sister created a different environment for their relationship. Also, her husband dying. So whenever you make a change in somebody's personal history, you have to have that change ripple. It has to ripple. If it doesn't, it's 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 not genuine, and it's not. Um, it looks fake and forced, and it'll put your reader off. And it'll put you off, and it'll make it very difficult for you to expand your plot when you have this disingenuous piece of. Um, this disingenuous knot in the middle of your character, that you've tied them up in a way that makes no sense and had no impact and no consequences. Now, you mentioned in your question specifically Harry Potter in War Mages and Harry Potter in the Serpent King and then Harry Potter in Phoenix. Now, Phoenix is my work in progress. It's a members only. Of course, all my work is members only right now. But for those of you who have not read Phoenix, Phoenix is um, a kind of a shift on time travel. But we're going to start with War Mages. The Harry you meet in War Mages is 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 very different. He's 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 lived in a world where magic was dying. He lost 
friendships that were very important to him. He lost countless people. He lost. And the, the, the war was so much worse. Get back to that twisted, because I have a. That's a rant waiting to happen right there. Um, <clears throat> there's a question in the chat room for those of you who are on the podcast. Anyways, so that Harry is fundamentally different from the Harry Potter that you meet in Birth of the Serpent King. Birth of the Serpent King, Harry um, witnesses the murder, the sacrifice of Lucius Malfoy. And that changes him in a very epic way. He he will never be the same. Because when you think about it, Lucius, no matter his motivations, sacrificed himself in much the same way Harry's mother did. He put himself between Harry Potter and the Dark Lord, and he died for it. And Harry lived. Now Harry has to deal with this guilt of taking Draco's father from him, but also the redemption that Lucius earned himself in those in those final minutes of his life um, when mixed with the fact that at one point <laughs> Lucius tried to kill Harry. That's still canon in Birth of the Serpent King, the, the events of um, the Chamber of the Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. And Lucius did try to kill him in the end of that book. And that's still there, and it's still unsaid, and he's having to deal with that. And he's been informed of things that he did not know and that Dumbledore kept from him. Um, changes everything about his interactions. He 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 has to stand on his own feet because not only has he come face to face with his mother's sacrifice in a very very real way that he did not remember having from from when he was fifteen months old. He doesn't really remember Lily's sacrifice, but he will never forget Lucius and what happened and the stand that he took. And it alters him. It 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 makes him grow up. It it changes everything about him. Harry in Phoenix is desperate just to be accepted and to be um, treated with respect and to save his 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 godfather and. The younger version of him is no better. Because the bracelet, the Harry that's in the bracelet, Phoenix, um, he's he's lost everything. He's he's angry, he's bitter, he's he's vengeful and but he tries so hard to keep that from tainting the younger version of himself because he sees in the younger version of himself, a redemption for himself as well. Because he's not proud of the man that he was in the future. And he wants a better future for for Harry than what was had the first time. And so all of that, all those changes have to ripple. And if they don't ripple and you 
you end up with a hot mess. And often you see a hot mess in fandom. People who will make a really huge change to a person and then not have it impact anything else. It doesn't impact anything else. They'll they'll tell you the same fucking story that you can read in the book after having made this epic change, and you're like, what the fuck? What? No. No, that's not how that works. Harry doesn't go back in time to his first year and relive his exact first year. No, he does not. Harry Potter goes back in time, and he's, what? No, he's mad. Just, no. There's, you know what? There are two reasons to go back in time, to save somebody and to avenge yourself. In both of those circumstances, (laughs) mean that canon goes out the window. It goes out the window. Now, I want to talk about the question that I got asked in the chat room. Let me scroll back up to it. Hmm. Ah, I got to find it. Is modifying a character to not be canon something you should warn for? I'm going to tell you right now how I feel about this. No. You don't need to warn for it. And anybody in fandom who thinks a a fan fiction writer is capable of writing canon is a fucking moron. I have never in my life written a canon fic. Not even the ones that I consider gen that don't really have any romance in them. Not one. You want to know why? Because I'm not J.K. Rowling, and only J.K. Rowling can write um, canon Harry Potter. Period. Nobody else can. Period. I'm not the writer for Stargate, so I can't write Stargate canon. Ever. Ever. So no, you don't need to warn for not being in canon, because it's impossible for you to be in canon. It's impossible for any writer but the original writer to write canon material for a work. Period. And McCaffrey's son is writing in The Dragons of Pern, or he was, and her canon stopped and his began. Not one book he has written in her series can be considered canon for her series. He's writing his fan he's writing his mom's fan fiction. That's what he's doing. And that's how I feel about that. I'm so serious. And whenever somebody tells me, um <sighs> The funniest thing I see is when someone gets in one of those um, genre finder groups on LiveJournal and um, asks for canon fix and then turns around and says slash is preferred. I got news for you assholes. Not once in the history of Stargate Atlantis did John fuck Rodney because if he had, I would have liked the show ten times more. So in any situation where you make John Shepard gay and he fucks Rodney, he is immediately out of character. The moment he puts his dick in another man, he is out of character because John Shepard is heterosexual in canon. 
period. Argue about context and reading between the lines all you want to, but there's absolutely not one single scene in Stargate Atlantis where you can say that John Shepard is gay. So when you write him as gay, he is immediately and permanently throughout your story out of character. When you write Harry Potter as gay, he is immediately and permanently out of character in your story. No matter what else you might do, no matter what else he might do in the story, he will forever be out of character as far as the canon material is, re is concerned. And that's that. You can argue it all you want to, but you won't be right. I'm just saying. And and that's how it is. You, it just, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to put Lady Holder, Lady Holder on the phone for a little bit. God, your timing you is excellent. What do you think? Hmm? Unfortunately, this is me sitting here chewing on something, so I kind of blanked out what you were saying. Repeat, please. <laughs> See how my best friend treats me? See? I'm sorry, I'm hungry. Screw you. I'll you all home and put Jilly on the line. I bet she's paying attention. She's probably over there stuffing her face too. That's okay, because the only reason I put you on the phone is because I have a sandwich literally in my hand. <laughs> okay, so repeat the question and I'll start babbling. Um, If you make a character who is heterosexual in canon gay, they're automatically out of character. Yes. Totally and completely, because... And do you need to warn <laughs> um, that? Um, if you can't read or the Or slash the pairings, on it enough. If you can't read the pairings, because, I'm sorry, when you have name and then a slash and you have another name, that typically means couple, at least as far as fandom is concerned. If you have name plus or comma and another name, that means two people who are in the same story. All right. If you haven't figured that one out, not my fucking problem. Um, <laughs> That's why she's my best friend. You got right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so eat something. Um, but here's the thing: if you if you change somebody's base sexual identity, be it you make them straight, gay, asexual, pansexual, bisexual, ase uh, I said asexual. Um, Omnisexual or, um, um, God damn it, the guy from from um, the other Doctor Who, the, the branch off Doctor Who. If you make them anything that breathes sexual, a la Kirk, okay, <laughs> it's it's going to have a change, okay, in how they act. Not because you know all of a sudden you're going to have a you know, straight guy who acts like a flaming gay guy because he's all of a sudden gay, but because of how he looks at and how he interacts or how she looks at and how she interacts with other people, okay? Everybody flirts with people who they find attractive, all right? Kirk flirted with everything that breathed, some things that didn't. Um, Spock didn't flirt with anybody, but it seemed like Jim, so, you know, whatever, um, but he mind melted with anything that would sit still for it in canon. Yeah, mental fucking got it for the win. Um, 
Including a wall. Yeah, well, including a, a sentient rock. Can't forget him. God <laughs> uh, win for the Hortus. Anyhow, you, you've got the the um, you've got Rodney McKay who is mostly oblivious and thinks he wants a nice hot blonde with big breasts and a high intellect, which basically describes Sam, Car- Sam Carter and whatever. And you make him open just about anything and he's going to start looking at everybody else around him so you know he may still want to have kids with the hot blonde with big breasts and a high intellect but where he's going to park his dick is going to be someplace different all right or it may it may not be but how he looks at everybody around him is going to be different okay um john is a very good case of Honest to God, looking back at the character, having found out more about human sexuality thanks to fandom, um, I wouldn't put it past it that he was asexual, okay, um, who got mind-fucked by an ancient, but whatever. You know, he didn't really seem to attach to anybody, okay? He has a friendship with McKay that kind of reminds me of my cat's friendship to me. I pet them. I love them. I feed them. All right. Um, and they're not too sure. When they get tired of you, they go away. <laughs> yeah, basically. And every once in a while, they reach out and they smack me because I'm, being some, I'm doing something stupid in their eyes. And then they come over and they flop on my keyboard and say, love me which basically describes the relationship between those two guys, you know. So, yeah, you know. But that's that's the, the canon shepherd, you know. He's the guy who, you know, would wander in to pester and, and pat at and occasionally swipe at and, and whatever for McKay and then, you know, would wander off when he had what he wanted, you know, and McKay would act like any other cat staff and would pet and feed and, and, you know, provide toys and, you know, get something out of it because, you know, he enjoyed the, the company. But that's, you know, what else do you call it? Fuck off! They're going to uh, bitch no matter what. I don't see it. So oh, I turned my chat off. Sorry. <laughs> well, I off, but I stopped the scrolling, and I was like, "These bitches aren't talking at all." Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's um the the whole thing with how um with how John is. You know, there's well, he's kind of he's kind of a cat. You know. What I would and say about he, extreme AUs where they're mm-hmm. the only thing they have in common with canon is their names is that, that this is this is a writer who wants to write original fic but isn't quite ready to leave fandom and who's very comfortable in fandom so they stay there 
and they they write these really awesome AUs that have really absolutely nothing to do with the canon, except sometimes they use the characters and some of their characteristics, but not always. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they're just really comfortable in fandom, and mm-hmm. um, they tell you great stories that really aren't fan fiction, and that's okay. Yeah. That is perfectly okay. Yeah. The... For me, when it comes to changing um, universes and personalities, uh, <laughs> gee, we're all eating. Um, I guess I, I stuck fairly close to a lot of canon characteristics for um, my first Fourier in writing uh, Stargate Atlantis. Um, I went. Off reservation, I guess, in some ways, for how I wrote Tony in um, the the competent Tony fix that I've got, uh, because he's not nearly as much of a prankster as he is in. Oh, I bet you um, know, just the fandom hates hmm? that shit, don't they? Yeah, they do. Kiss our ass, fandom. Kiss our ass. They they can go suck an infected boil. I don't care. Um. Jelly said she doesn't think I was off the reservation. Um, yeah. Um, the the when I did the Young Sentinels and Guides, I just I aged them down to sixteen or seventeen. Seventeen, I think, is what I I stuck them as. A lot of their personality quirks hadn't been set in stone yet. So, for all of that, Rodney is arrogant and very sure of himself. Um, he's not as guarded as he was, and neither is John. So, you know, there's there's that major difference as well. Um, the Sentinel versions of themselves, they are all... Um, they're all different as well. Yeah. You know, every every action has a reaction. Yeah. You know. <laughs> when you think it's, about what a sentinel would be exposed to, and I only mention it briefly in Sentinels of Atlantis when when Andy um, makes a comment about something that, that he smells. Right, but no, mm-hmm. that's that's not really what I mean. I mean, if your neighbor's beating his wife and your husband is a sentinel, he's hearing it. Mm-hmm. Or if your kid is a sentinel, he's hearing your neighbor's fuck. Mm-hmm. He's hearing your neighbors argue. He's hearing them fight over money. He's hearing the girl next door being pressured to have sex by her boyfriend when her parents aren't home. And this is something that John was exposed to from a very early age. And really, as far as white noise generators goes, that only goes so far, and it can only protect so much. And so, when you when you have a sentinel that comes online very young, it that environment the the environment they live in is is, is going to change them in in ways that you must account for. Um, you have to wonder just what the 
what the impact would be and, and how you handle that and, you know, how tolerant would your sentinel be of that kind of um, interpersonal um, issue. Yeah. Um, I can I can see certain um, certain sentinels that we all know and adore being incredibly intolerant. Right? Oh, extremely so. Um, extremely so. Mhm. <clears throat> I can't see very many uh, sentinels who would be tolerant of it. I mean, um, we make we we make note of it, and I don't think it's ever really shown the light of day uh, with with the evil author day. Um, we comment on this also in uh, Beautiful and Dangerous Things where um, Sherlock is commenting to John that people move into his neighborhood and they know when they move into his neighborhood that they have zero expectations of personal privacy, but they do it anyhow. Because they also get a extreme amount of um, mm-hmm. an intimate protection they wouldn't get anywhere else. Yep. And that is something that would cause resentment. If like and I there's a brief mention of it in Sentinels of Atlantis mm-hmm. and I haven't really delved into it too much. But when you have somebody like that in your environment, um there you you're not going to have any secrets from them. And people having no, their secrets exposed can make them really paranoid and violent mm-hmm. and and ugly and and judgmental and you know it's it's easy to see how you can create a a situation where sentinels would be um abused and mistreated by the government Uh, pitchforks at dawn because people are so militantly crazy about what they think should be a secret and i'm no different Mm -hmm. i mean i have things that i wouldn't want um anybody else to know and then some things that don't bother me at all there are some people who um don't even want you to know when when they take a piss much less you know when they masturbate or when their period starts meanwhile i'm putting my period on facebook because i don't give a shit (laughs) you know so it just it really depends on the individual Mm -hmm. and the the level of interpersonal sharing between minions is interesting Um, because well, yeah, because a, a, a sentinel gives you no physical privacy, and a guide gives you no mental privacy, no emotional privacy. No emotional privacy. You have, they're they're not all. It greatly not, uh, depends on the guide and how you write it. Well, I've seen somewhere, you know, um, Professor X is actually his uh, a guide, and I'm thinking, that's gotta suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Professor X. Um, yeah. Some of the, I mean, some of the other things that you've seen where, um, and let's say you don't change canon sexuality, okay? Let's say you keep that, and you keep them trucking right along, but you change, you change something else big. Um using the Stargate uh, characters again. Um, instead of Jeannie living to have Natty, um, Natty dies, or Jeannie dies, and, and Rodney gets Natty, you know, or something else happens like that. It's going to change him. You know, that's going to be a whole different thing going on with him because all of a sudden he's got a different responsibility. Um, 
God, there's um, this one actually did change sexuality, but it also had a different outcome. Um, and I don't remember the name of the story, and I don't remember. I think I read it on Area 52. Um, John had a bad mission, and he came home um, paraplegic. And they never went. Yeah, they never went to Atlantis, and they stayed home, and they made a life. And it's a beautiful story. I can't read that. It tears your heart out. It tears your heart out. Yeah. The one that I read that messed with me the most, and it was a tiny fic. It was not even. It it might have been two thousand words, and it's a story about Rodney during the deep during the briefing when they come back from Atlantis the first time, and Jack takes Mm -hmm. him out of the mountain, and um, nobody really understands why Jack is so patient with Rodney. And why he tries to take care of Rodney, and no one really understands. And John is very curious, and he finds out that during the Tilk incident, the NID, or the Trust, whichever one it is, took Mm -hmm. Rodney's baby. And when Mm -hmm. he failed to kill Tilk in the gate, they killed his child, his infant. He was a baby. And... John, I think, I sees them at, at a um, cemetery, and it is an extremely powerful, powerful, moving story that I have read once in my life and will never touch again as long as I live. And I don't remember the title, so please don't ask, because I don't want to look it up, because if I look it up, I will definitely read it again. And it really just tore my heart out. I mean, it was really, really, really upsetting. Um, but that changed, that event changed how Jack treated Rodney mm-hmm. across the board because of anybody um, in Stargate Command that we know of, we know mm-hmm. that Jack understands what it's like to bury a child. And so he has a connection with McKay that nobody else can touch in that story. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's really, it's the impact is huge. There's, um, that was why Rodney never called John by his first name, yes, because his baby's name was John. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely right. Um, Azor, stop, I'll cry. <laughs> yeah. See, I did it, yeah. I did it. You did? Yeah, did it. I did the same thing. I'm, I'm going to call your bare nickname. There's, um, there's another one that, that reminds me, um, and this is... <laughs> Uh, it never got finished that I know of, and which, you know, there's the part of me that wants to go look it up and and beg the author, please, please, please. You know, <laughs> it's it's the fan. Um, what it was was um, actually there's two that I'm, I'm thinking of. One was where, it, you know, it's our universe. Everything is um, as it is. And then stepping through the um, that lovely mirror thing is Charlie, a grown-up Charlie, who is bringing his kids across. And he watched his family die. He watched his wife die. Um, and he's coming to the only place that he knows of that is a safe place, which is through the quantum mirror, to some place where he doesn't exist. 
and Jack is freaked because he buried his child. And here he is looking at a grown-up Charlie with a little boy and a little girl. I can't. I don't <laughs> you need to stop. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. I think Penumbria found the one that I was talking about. Um, oh God, I'm not. I'm, I'm not clicking. I'm not going to click on it. I'm not going to click on it. But it's um, it's really good, and it's but it'll tear mm-hmm. your heart I've out. I've read it. Yeah. The other one, um, that I'm I'm thinking of again, it um, you don't see. You don't see the, quote unquote, canon uh, characters. What you see is um. Uh. Jack's clone is not thriving. He's not integrating. He's ripping himself apart. And what ends up happening, and this is the reason why I gave all my clone Jack to Daniel, is the other three members of SG-1 go and get themselves cloned, and they go and they manage to eventually help keep the clone Jack sane. And it works. And it's it's a very it's a hell of a good read, and again this is one of those where I really 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 love the, the, the story, but I can read that one maybe once every couple of years, because it's it's a hard read, because the person who did that actually has a degree I think in psychology and he knows exactly what the, what what was being done, and it's it's such a hard read but it's such a wonderful thing. That's why I always make. Um... That's why I made Jimmy in uh, in what might have been Thor mm-hmm. um, altered him, because you mm-hmm. can't strip a man's life away from him and expect him to be okay and drop him off at a fucking high school. This is a grown man in a teenage body. Mm-hmm. That's just not how that works. You can't, mm-hmm. They they stripped away because so the fact of the matter is. In canon, Jack O'Neill was in love with Sam Carter. You can ignore it all you want to and write whatever you want to do with it, but that's the canon, and we all have to establish that that's the canon. So here is Jack in this young body, and he's in love with a woman, a beautiful, accomplished, intelligent woman, and he's got this great career, and he's doing this job that he loves. He's saving the planet every fucking day. And then suddenly it's all stripped out of him because it's not really his. From that without help, without something. So that's why I did what I did with him and what might have been with the clone version. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the clone shows up in Sentinels of Atlantis, it's going to be. I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. It's not going to be good. It's it's. Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it I mean he. I'm, I'm not going to kill him or anything, but he's going to be in a really, really bad place. And how could he not be? I mean, how could he not be in such a? Do I know? How would that I, I even think I work? know whose guide is right. I know whose guide is right. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Anybody good, who might have been knows whose guide is. His guide's on Atlantis, though, so that's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's an issue. Um, but also, uh-huh. it would be an issue for two jacks to stay in the mountains. So you know. Sending him oh, to Atlanta makes sense. Yeah. Um, but there is, uh, when you make a change to a character, um, in order to keep the fandom part 
of your character um, rooted. You have to pick and choose the characteristics you're going to let go of. And you have to figure out for yourself what is fundamental about your character. When you think about Harry Potter, what is fundamental about Harry Potter? Mm. He has a hero complex three miles wide. At least. Um, He's also literally prepared to die for someone he barely knows. That is the first thing you really learn about Harry Potter. And you learn about mm-hmm. it in um, the, the Philosopher's Stone. He's fascinated by magic. He's fascinated by magic. He's actually in love with magic. He's in love with the idea of magic and, and being rescued from his horrible muggle prison. Um, I do I do agree that magic is fundamental. I won't read a non-magic AU of, of Harry Potter. I don't even know why you'd bother. <laughs> I have it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why you want to read that. I could not. I mean, I could not. Mm. He wants. He wants connection, right? He wants connection. He wants family. He's he's deeply um, Mm. in love with 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 the idea of of magic and having a family. And and I hate to say that he's willing to settle to get. He is willing to settle. Um, he's very used to not getting what he wants, so when he gets it, it's a surprise. But most of mm-hmm. all, Harry Potter does not value his own life. No, he really doesn't. You see it in the first book when he goes headlong into that troll to save Hermione Granger. And at that point, honestly, although Ron is the one who's the reason she was in the bathroom, Harry found her just as irritating as Ron did. He just wasn't a bully about it because Ron's a bully. And that's a fundamental part of Ron's character that you have to acknowledge. He is judgmental and he's a bully. Now, you can work him out of both of those characteristics as he gets in the, to be an adult. J.K. Rowling didn't bother, but you can in fan fiction. Mm-hmm. That's what it's for. <laughs> but, but Harry is willing to die for this little girl who annoyed the shit out of him. He's willing to die for Jenny, who he barely spoke to the entire year she was in school, and who can't look at him without hyperventilating, and, but he's still willing to die for her in book two. In book three, mm-hmm. his desire for connection and for a family is so overwhelming that he agrees to live with his godfather, a known convict, even if he is innocent. But he doesn't know. Who's batshit. <laughs> he agrees in an instant to live with Sirius. Mm-hmm. But he makes no... Okay, and then when he's in the forest with Hermione, he again puts himself between Hermione and Mooney. Mm-hmm. He puts himself between her and a werewolf. He doesn't reach for what he wants in some ways either. The and when he... Came... No shit, Lilac. Um... <laughs> Lilac says in the chat room that a nutter not convict is better than a Dursley. You're absolutely right. Sirius is ten times better than the Dursleys. But he does mm-hmm. have no sense of self-preservation whatsoever. And in the end of um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, when he casts the Patronus, it's not to save himself. It's to save Sirius. Mm-hmm. 
fundamental things that you know about Harry Potter that when you put him into an alternate universe or an alternate reality, you can use these things to root your character in your new universe, and that way they stay, they have the same flavor of the canon persona, but they're not going to be canon because you're not capable of writing canon. Nobody is but J.K. Rowling. And I know that insults some people. People are like, oh, well, I'll write. No, you don't. Oh, shut up. You don't write canon. <laughs> and if I see one more person in a finders group on live journal saying they want canon slash preferred, I'm going to stab them in the head. <laughs> Not literally, but I, I want to because that's just bullshit. Yeah, so brains are hard to get out of things, remember? you know. So when someone accuses me of writing a character origin, um, out of character, I say, of course. Of course, because um, Caprice says that sometimes J.K. isn't capable of writing can herself. No, no, I don't agree with that, actually, at all. It's her shit, and she can do whatever she wants to with it, and if she says it's canon, it's canon, because it's hers. Mm-hmm. The closest, I mean, the only the only thing I can um, claim as canon is the stuff that is my original fiction. Okay, that's mine. Now that's your personal canon, canon. Yes, the the canon that my my AU stories are based off of, I can't claim. The universe that I that I spin off from that, it's mine. I I would prefer people, you know, at, at least. Um, if you're going to steal concepts, you know, whole whole cloth, go right ahead, but let me, you know, at least let me know you're going to do so. Um, it's only polite. Um, it, as far as I know, the, some of the stuff that I've come up with hasn't really gotten to the point where it is a, um, I guess it would be considered fan lore. You know, I think your lion guide thing might be approaching fan lore. That's yeah, I've seen it. I, well, I've seen it pop up a couple times, but you know, um, Jilly, Jilly took it it's and a trope. made it her own. Yeah, and you know, it's it's. Um, well, I'm trying to think of an, uh, another you know, predator that is just as, um, just as as unforgiving and as powerful as a wolf. And the only other one I could think of was a lion, and well, uh, jackal, but or uh, hyena. And I'm not a real big fan of hyenas. You know, that's just. I got I, I yeah. got to share something with you guys. It's really really funny. Is is Chris in the chat room? Chris is not in the chat room. Um, for those of you who haven't um really caught on to the fact, I did sign a contract for Fall for You, and um it's at Cobblestone Press with um Lady Holder. She went to Lady Holder. She she went there, Yay. so I went there, and um yes, I got my edits. I got my edits, and the editor, she put a note on it and told me to add more sex. That's <laughs> 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 just great. <laughs> oh, God, that's just wonderful. I have to add a sex scene to the end because there isn't a sex scene to the end. Uh-huh. 
But she did. She loved my book. She says, I love the book. I love the story, the characters, and everything. I've never been a major fan of shifter stories, but this one definitely makes me change my mind. There is one little thing at the end. I would love for them to get it on once more before the end of the book. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Um, That's just great. Mhm. Yeah. Um. Who was it who had? Somebody had a um. In July, had um. Spencer having a orca, as a. Uh, spirit guide. And my reaction to that was. Oh, that's really pretty, but goddamn, where is it solid? <laughs> you know, does it come up through the floor? How do you do this? You know, well, I think it, that most spirit ones? guides are just literally spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to go solid sometimes with my spirit guides, just for the <clears throat> because I'm on the cusp of writing one of those Damon AUs. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I treat my spirit animals like Damon's. Um, Mm-hmm. But uh, that's not um, the usual trope for that in fandom. Mm-hmm. They're usually um, spirits. Apparently, Jerry says that was icy. So, okay. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, honestly, my, my first thought when I heard Orca, and it's not nice, it wasn't something that came up through the floor like the floor was the surface of the water. It's not a... Thing that's swimming through the, the the air like it like the the air is water. It was more along the lines of those little shamu um, balloons that they have at SeaWorld. <laughs> the one on the stick. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well. Any orca. Any orca. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's. It, I know we're completely off topic, but it's really funny when you start going through the um, the big cat rescue and looking at all the cats going, no, no, no. Interesting, but no. <laughs> and, you know, what is that? Yeah, there's your reasons. Um, on a stick. That's right, Sybil, on a stick. <laughs> that com- That comedian from the 80s. I cannot hear on a stick without thinking on a stick. There was this comedian used to be on TV all the time, and he would talk about getting food on a stick, Jeff Dunham. Is that right? Um, and he would do this thing, and he would be talking, and he and he would do the joke early on in the show, and then near the end he would say something, and he would be like, on a stick. <laughs> it's, it's in my head for life. It is terrible. Uh-huh. It is terrible. God, it's it so terrible, but it was funny as fuck. I'm sure it's probably terribly racist, um, actually. Um, I don't know. I mean, because he talked about it being in Mexico, and he would fake this um, Mexican <laughs> accent when he would do it, and that's probably not very PC, and it's terrible. Yeah. Um, oh, oh no. This is Jeff Dunham had a ventriloquist, had a, had a jalapeno on a stick. I think it could be the same thing. 
I think it's the same comedian with a different routine. Because he would only speak. It's terrible. <laughs> that's, that's a distinct possibility. I don't know. My family finds sense uh, to me, but yeah. Um, oh, God, it was terrible. The, the things that you do to... I'm going to uh, refer back to, to one of your little short shows where you have um, the How to Build an Original OC. Um, when you have a character that spans universe to universe, I'm willing to bet that if we looked at the character pages for John Shepard from what might have been from Lantean Legacy, from Sentinels of Atlantis to Tides that Bind, or not Tides, but um, Tides that Bind, yeah. And we look at those, the only two that will be close will be what might have been Atlantean Legacy, but those are mirror universes. Right, that, that is a mirror universe. Actually, mm-hmm. people always say that John and Ties That Bind is my hardest version of him, and that isn't remotely true. The John and what might have been is a sociopath. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's a high-functioning sociopath. He loves, yes, but it's it's intense, and it's... um. It's honestly rare. He's loyal. But he's a nut well, job. What, um, <laughs> what was it that... What was it that, that he said that, that he... He found himself attracted to certain people and they figured out that part of the reason he was attracted to them was they were all ATA positive? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the John in that AU completes he um, he he commits a cold-blooded murder, and he yet still people that say that the version of him in ties that bind is is harder, <laughs> and that's just because I think that they see that sadism as a um, as part of the equation, honestly. and you honestly have to dismiss that. You have to overlook the sexual components because um in his day to day actions, um, the John on ties that bind is he's intuitive, he's sharp witted, he's um he he puts his own Marines in marriage counseling for fuck's sake. Granted he spanks his ass first, but he puts the man in marriage counseling. And apologizes because dude you I I hate to do this to you. I'm sorry, I had, but you leave me. I'm sorry, dude, but you're going into counseling because I'm yes. tired of this. <laughs> yes, you know one one of the things one of the things that that gets me um, that scene where John commits cold-blooded murder. Um, it's the one where he's sitting there and he looks at everybody and he goes, you know, um, I'm you know really satisfied with myself. And it's it, it <laughs> the actual line. And Jack knows exactly what he's got as his exo. He's got no doubts about it. He he knows. Because Jack plays that line too. Okay? he His thing is, though, his the thing that keeps him from tap dancing over is kids. All right? Always has been. Well, and, what I liked about that scene was that that I had Jack acknowledge, okay, dude, you know, I've I've always known what you are, but you're saying it out loud, so now I've got to put your ass in counseling. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Not yeah. because of let's, what let's... you did, but because you can't keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yes. 
What is up with all this communication? What is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. But yes, it is. I think that one of, um, I spent more time world building for Ties That Bind than I actually did anything else. Because shifting the characters when it comes to um, the sexuality and the masochism and the sadism and um, the various pleasure houses, that proved to be really easy. But building the Ties That Bind universe um, was not easy, despite the fact that I built it on Zant's world. I built it on her foundation, but I still had to do a lot because I had the pleasure houses. I had to um, think about society and how it would work and um, just just the history of of gender roles and um, and just because there's no – in Ties That Bind, I'm not sure if you really noticed, but there isn't a problem with sexism. The problem comes from um, the difference between doms and submissives. It's not um, whether or not you're born with a dick does not matter in, in, in ties that bind. It never has. It's never been an issue in ties that bind. I agree in theory, Julie, but I'm not sure I could actually pronounce that word. Dyna- dynamic and help me out. <laughs> dynamicism yes dynamicism. there's whatever there's more there the the issues of equality and ties that bind surround <laughs> the presentation of um dynamic and uh switches are often trained to be dominance and their their other nature is untrained and they're uneducated about it, and often there can be an, an imbalance. But one of the um, – there is a switch among the disciples, and you've met him, and you probably don't even know it because I've never actually said it out loud, but Mason Blake is a switch. Hmm. And um, no. he doesn't – um, um, he doesn't – Acknowledge it outside of the bedroom, but he's a switch. And uh, if if he was ever going to let anybody collar him, you know, it would either be Gerard or it would be Sydney. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I wanted a. Uh, I was going to you know talk about that at, at one point in the in the series, but I changed my mind and and didn't really address it. Uh, but because um, I had some, and then you know, of course, there are some people who are who are healthy switches. You know, Mason's a very healthy switch. He was trained by Gerard. He he had training both as a dom and a submissive, even though he was marked as a dom, um, because Gerard recognized what he was and um, made sure that he was yeah. that he confronted both sides of his nature. Who, yeah, but he, Gerard also seems to be the type of guy who. Um, is aware enough and and secure enough not to freak out about the fact that you know somebody has these other needs. Then again, he also sits there and has a great deal of fun with with his own needs. So you know, whatever. Well, Gerard is a sadomasochist, and mm-hmm. I actually had someone tell me that I had written Gerard as a switch. 
and um, that's not true in any stretch of the imagination. Gerard is a dom. Um, but he's also a sadomasochist, and they told me that because I wrote him as a sadomasochist that he was automatically a um, a switch, and I no. told them they were stupid, and the conversation de-evolved from there. But <laughs> <laughs> look, if yeah. you say something stupid, I'm going to tell you about yourself. Yeah. I'm going to be truthful, and you need to really understand this and take this to heart. Masochism does not equal submission, and taking it up the ass does not equal submission. Put that in your brain and keep it there. Submission does not equal penetration. Period. Smiley motherfuckers. <laughs> Rather. It's so annoying. It's so annoying to see. Um, I saw it in like, I don't know if it was on Tumblr or if it was on somewhere on Facebook, where um, there was a uh, a comment and um, oh, it was on my own Facebook. Someone commented about how uh, in the Batman Superman pairing, in the you know, in the fandom to be that Superman versus uh, Batman, or Batman versus Superman, whatever it is, that uh, that Superman's the bottom because Ben in the picture was perceived as being physically bigger or stronger than um, Henry. They just in the picture itself, there there looked to be a physical disparity, and um, uh, Henry Cavell was. Um, uh, looking kind of bashful, so they automatically put him in this um, submissive bottom role, and it was so infuriating that I wanted to punch my computer screen. I had to get up and walk away. And for the record, if I actually wrote in the Batman vs Superman um, fandom, Batman would be the bottom, just because. Just because now, of wait that. A second. Because didn't, didn't we talk about this and, and, and reactions of uh, what would happen to superpowered? Um... That was just a theory. Yeah. Obviously, it can't be you know. true in canon because if it was true, then there would be. A, I mean, surely Clark's not a virgin, which means he's had sex. So either um, his sperm isn't super. Or he's left a very a, a line of damage behind him that's unreal. <laughs> I saw. I don't even know where. Because you can't be that pretty and not oh. get laid, unless you really, yeah. really, 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 really don't want to get laid. And what boy doesn't want to get laid? I mean, they're mm-hmm. rare. Very, but very Superman so. had to learn to control himself at a very, 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 very young age. And um, I just don't think his his sperm can be super. That would really ruin Lo- Lois and Clark for me. Yes, well, the problem isn't so much the sperm I'm worried about. The problem is, is that the muscles that, that push everything out. I know. Stop. It'll be bad. In that respect... I think that probably Clark Kent's had a very difficult time taking a shit. 
Oh, God. Meanwhile, <laughs> every party in Smallville <laughs> been <Yeah>. destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, this is what we do when I sit there and I ask these questions. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just assume that it doesn't work that way because it wouldn't just apply to sperm. Or peeing. Peeing would be an act of war. (laughs) Nice little little holes going straight through the porcelain. Like a power washer. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Imagination will be completely out of the question. So let's just assume that Superman isn't having those issues of bodily fluids. You are no fun sneezes. Or (laughs) for the... For the sake of everybody, let's just assume the dump of doom is a mis- is a is a urban myth. <laughs> Fine. <sighs> yeah, this is one of the things I've done a couple times to her, where I, I'll sit there and I'll look at something and an idea she put forth, and I'm going, "But wait a second, what about?" No, do not bring it up. Sorry. Oh no, I'm not going to bring that one up. I brought that one up, and then, you know, that, that didn't get much of a twitch. But, you know, hey, it was still fun. You freaked. The first time I got over it. Yeah. Yeah, some things don't need to be taken to their logical conclusion. You're correct, uh, Jilly. You've actually seen this topic. Um, the problem is is that my brain is, is fairly well linear on some things, and I'll follow an idea all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, so all the way to the bloody end. She ain't even playing. No, actually, this one wiggled. But, mm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah, always does. She's nice. evil. I do try. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely uh, one of the funner things. Um. Whether you change the person, whether you change their environment, whether you change their culture, whether you change where they um, where they decide to, to take their life, um, every change you have with a character has to um, have to echo back. Okay. Um, It's um, you've got one story, uh, and it's not Big Gay Love in Canada, which is one of my personal favorites, just from the viciousness of it. Um, the um, FBI crossover that you did. Uh, where John is, or, or um, Rodney is in the FBI. As a profiler, and yeah, okay, and in that universe, we don't have Atlantis, so everybody else is doing other things. But 
you know, it's a very different universe. You know, and it's an interesting way everything falls out. So, um, Rogue is asking, um, what would somebody who wasn't a Dom or a sub, I guess in the Tides of Fine universe, be called? My comment was asexual. The I guess the correct one would be non-dynamic, because that's what you used, if I remember correctly. Um, I use both. I use asexual and and non-dynamic. And I early on, when I first wrote Ties That Bond, I didn't make a distinction between the two. Um, mm-hmm. But um, it's non-dynamic. And um, mm-hmm. because sexuality is so intrinsic to dynamic, someone who is asexual would be non-dynamic, and someone who is non-dynamic would be, in fact, asexual. And ties that bind. Mm-hmm. Because um, of the way it was structured. That's not true in reality. You can be asexual and be submissive, and you can be asexual and be in a submissive relationship, or you can be asexual and be dominant and be in a relationship <clears throat> where you dominate another person, and that person um, may derive sexual pleasure out of it, and you don't, but you get something out of it. I don't know because I'm not asexual, so I'm not sure what an asexual person would get out of dominating another person since I tend to associate that behavior to sexuality, but it's certainly possible in reality and um, whatever they get from that relationship would be their own business and none of ours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's what it boils down to, and I don't know. You know, like I said, I can't even speculate as to how that would work, but I see that it's – I believe that it's perfectly possible. But in ties that bind, that's not how it works. I don't ever use the term vanilla in ties that bind um, that I'm aware of. If I meant Mm – if I did, I didn't mean to because I don't like it. Um, I kind of consider it almost an insult. Hmm. Twist, I'm going to ask a very serious, serious question here. Um, you, you say you can have a super nurturer who is dominant but with no sexual response. Are you referring to um, men and women who uh, nurture someone who likes to dress as an infant or in a different context or both? I'll wait for your answer on that. Um, I'm, 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 I'm literally just curious because that's not something that I've, I've really encountered. Um, most of my um, experience with um, that mm-hmm. community, okay, Twister Virus is both. Okay. Um, most of my experience with that community was very sexual. <laughs> just a Mm-mm. very, very sexual. Yeah, no, I don't have any don't have any experience with that one. On the other hand, um, if you all remember what I said about cats and a certain somebody, I am getting the, you know, you must, um, you must obey me uh, look from, from one of my cats because I'm not giving him what he wants. So, you know, I, I really should have named you John or Shepherd. 
really, really. Bullshit. <laughs> Which, you know, as many times as, as I'm willing to bet that, that Romney has muttered something like that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. And 45 minutes left. What else do we need? What else are we going to talk about on this topic? Um. But. Hmm. Um. I got nothing. <laughs> All right. So. Um, you know, let's, here's the thing, um, when I put warnings on a fic, I warn for things that I think would be upsetting. I warn for rape, I warn for murder, I, I warn for child abuse, I warn for the discussion of child abuse or rape or homicide. Um, being asked to warn for gay, for slash, in the midst of that, I find that extremely insulting. That's like you saying that you believe that Slash is as bad as homicide. That you think gay sex is like homicide or pedophilia, the things that you know everybody else warns for. Um, so no, I would never do that. I I don't actually um, tag my fix. Um, I might tag for pairing half-ass on my site, um, but I think that's kind of stupid um, to tag because what it turns into is a list of expectations, and then if you forget to tag for something, your reader's going to fucking flip their lid, or vice versa, if you tag for something and then you don't end up doing it, they forget to remove the tag, the fucking mm-hmm. assholes are going to flip their lid. I... I don't tag my books. Why the fuck would I tag my fiction? I tag for pairing sometimes. I tag on Live Journal mm-hmm. more than I do anywhere else, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um. And on my radio. But on Live Journal, it's a way of organizing. But I think that um, you do categories. Okay, it's it's a romance. Mm-hmm. It's an alternate universe. It's um, I. Warnings, homicide, child abuse, rape, pedophilia, sexual abuse, mm-hmm. child abuse, discussion thereof. Yeah, but but the tagging system at AO3 makes me mad. I'm mad at it. It's a free fall. It's this, oh, what is wrong with these people? Oh, no. Julie says she was asked to tag Tony OOC on all of my LBD. You know what? You should write back and tell them that Tony being gay is out of character, so every single Tony Gibbs fic in creation is actually Tony OOC, and then watch their heads explode. <laughs> mm-hmm. I 
fully intend to troll the entirety of the NCIS fandom in April. I'm looking forward to that so hard. You know, it's... Are there any actions that you would tag for? Like I said, I do warnings. I don't believe in tags. I, And I've already said what I would warn for. I... I am honestly, I would put male preg in a category, like up there with romance and AU, um, but I wouldn't do it as a tag. Right, I consider it a category. Um, I just, I think tags are for pairings and that's it. I don't know. I mean, I just don't see any point in a tag. On my own side, anyway, and on AO3, I don't even read them. Oh, I'll at least look at who the pairings are. I mean, that would be helpful if I want to read a specific pairing and I'm looking at an author and a universe and all of a sudden I find that I'm reading, you know, Deadpool and Hulk. I just don't really want to read that. That just doesn't work for me. You know? Um, I've... I've read some doozies out of the Hobbit fandom where I'm trucking right along. It's a lovely little story. It's got my main pairing that I'm enjoying the hell out of. And all of a sudden, the side group comes on and my head just went, what? No. And, (laughs) yeah, that that was a legit choice, you know. And so... But no, I I think tagging stupid. That's one reason why I'm not on AO3, beyond the fact that I'm a control freak in case you missed it. Um, <clears throat> mm, what? I'm just laughing at what As called um, Hobbits. Oh, no, that was a tag yeah. you saw on AO3. Oh, really? That's ridiculous. Okay. But whenever I see a fic and, like, there's a whole page of tags, I skip it. Scroll, 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 scroll to the end of the next entry because I'm not interested. If you can't actually give me a proper summary and you want to do your whole fucking summary in the tags, I think you're a moron and I don't want to read your goddamn fic anyway. Yeah. Was that harsh? Maybe. I don't care. Maybe. 178 tags. What the fuck? Oh. Oh, that's just that's sick. Yeah, no. And um, when when your tags are longer than your story, that's ridiculous. Things I've been asked to warn for. I was. Hmm. I don't know, did we lose you? Or did you hit mute? Hmm. I don't know. Um, She's still in chat, but we'll see. Yes, I heard that, Joey. I, when it comes to I learned how to, um, off of what we did with um, uh, Rough Trade, 
And so for me, it's I put up the basic warnings um, when it comes down to what's going in there. Um, if there's going to be, you know, um, <laughs> canon level violence, which is a really great way of saying in some um some fandoms that there's going to be be a great deal of blood, death, and gore. It's great. Um, no, actually, Twisted, um, she asks, have you ever had any weird complaints for tags? Actually, not really. Um, probably because I, well, started when I, when I, re- when I laid out my, um, my site, I actually took my, um, way of doing it to, to put it up. I, I copied and pasted cures, I'm not gonna lie. It was so it, it hit everything I wanted it to say and I I put it there and, and I still do because it makes sense. It gets everything that I want out. Um you know and using the term canon level violence, especially as Jilly says in Criminal Minds, that covers a lot. That covers just about every perversion you never wanted to see. Because, you know, they've got serial killers who do bad things and enjoy them. And you've got canon level violence and that works. You know, don't even get me started on the supernatural fandom or, you know, um Boondock Saints or um Oh God. Serial killer, um Hannibal, you know. That would be that would that would be covered. Uh, Catherine asks, head slaps and NCIS would that need a canon level violence tag? That actually is covered in I guess canon level, but it's actually just normal. Um, you know, that's just yeah. Dexter, never going to happen. Comments about Dexter. Yes, that's another one. Um, any cop show is going to have a level of of <laughs> canon level violence that's pretty much disgusting if you get into it, into the specifics. If you're dealing with the CSI shows, you've got all sorts of levels of gross. Um, if you're dealing with someplace like uh, Law & Order SVU, tag it canon level violence and and that one I probably would put something in there about a warning. me or are you uh, also feeling like we've accidentally wandered into an ultimate lifestyle sensitivity seminar? I swear the next time somebody tells me that Gibbs hits them because he loves them, I'm going to ask whether Gibbs respects their safe words. There's a good point. And no, I don't really think he does. Not canon one. And I know that I had, and actually, I'm actually surprised that this didn't get more comments in, um, in Lion Rampart where I had um, Tony basically tell Gibbs that if he did that, he'd pretty much make him regret it for every second of the rest of his life. Yeah, nobody actually commented on that. That was that was great. <laughs> yeah. So um, the uh, the supernatural fandom, the Buffy fandom, um, Torchwood fandom. Doctor Who, 
uh, let's see, going to the movies, we've got the 300, we've got, you know, the Star Wars, the Stargate, the Star Trek, you know, all of those have, all of those have got their level of canon level violence that, that varies from one thing to another. And for those people who actually know the movies and shows and all, you have some idea of what you're getting into when you walk into it. Um, I won't pick up a Dexter story. I won't pick up a Hannibal story. I don't care how pretty the actors are in there. The base subject matter makes my gorge rise, okay? But there are people who will sit there and read that stuff and have an absolutely fantastic time. I can't, I don't get it. It's not me, okay? Um, The Walking Dead makes me twitch. I hate zombie movies. You know, I've never watched um, a single episode of um, Walking Dead. Neither have I. And let me tell you, I work in a I work in what amounts to a cube farm. Walking Dead was and has been the hot topic in my my whole cube farm for like the past four years. And my reaction to it is. It's one of the few things that you will actually get me to stick my fingers in my ear and scream la 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 because I don't want to hear it. Okay? And yeah. I would say, um, Twisted Rider asked in the chat room, if rape is canon, how should you warn for that, especially if the rapers prior to when you were studying the story? Um, I would warn for discussion of a canon event and commas and discussion of rape. Um, just because there are some things, this is going to sound terrible. This is going to sound really, really terrible. If I put a snake in my story and somebody doesn't like snakes and they freak out, care. But if someone freaks out because I put a reference to rape in my story and they freak out, I care a lot, and that's terrible, mm-hmm. and I admit it. I, I, there's just some things. You can't warn for everything. So you have to pick and choose the things you're going to warn for. Um, and I don't consider snakes something to warn for. And I actually don't even consider spiders something to warn for because they're actually in Harry Potter. You see a big, giant spider in Harry Potter. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. warn for a spider either in a Harry Potter fix because that those two things are canon snakes and but even if a rape was canon I would still warn for it because it is a very powerful debilitating trigger and um, Mm -hmm. there's a big difference between a phobia and a trigger a phobia is a psychological response it's a psychological fear response it can be based on an experience or it can be based on a fear with no rational experience to it. When somebody has a rape trigger, that's because they've been raped. Mm-hmm. And not warning um, for rape is ugly. And I don't care if it serves your plot. I don't care if you don't want to give your plot away. I don't care if, oh, I don't want to be a plot spoiler. Fuck you. That's not a plot spoiler. That's a heads up. And if your plot, if you need to surprise your reader with a graphic rate in order to make your plot work, 
I don't want to read you at all. I just think that it's better to warn than not to warn, and it hurts nothing to warn for rape. Just, I mean, if it's a canon event, just say this. This reference to if you a canon sexual assault, just and just leave it at that and move on. You know. Yeah, discussions around episode whatever it was that it happened in. I think you should also warn for torture. Um, and not so much because I, I don't know that a lot of people would have that as an actual trigger. Um, but some people don't have uh, the psychology in place to handle extreme abuse or, and or torture. Um, and I think it's just being a good fandom citizen to warn for these things. It hurts nothing to warn for these things. And if you build your entire story on shocking and disturbing your reader that way, then you're an asshole. Yes, I I do believe that a story should move your reader, and um, sometimes words can be shocking and circumstances can be shocking. Um, but if your whole purpose is to upset your reader in a very ugly way, and that is the only reason why you wouldn't warn for rape, or character death, then I have to, um, you're not a good fandom citizen. You're, you're just not. And there, and you can say, well, you know, they don't warn for death in commercial fix. That's right. But you're not writing a commercial fix somebody's paying for. And you're participating that, in a community with a standard. Mm-hmm. Standards and are. And those standards. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And some standards I think we should all just pay attention to. And warning for rape, murder, character death. Um, or these are just things that I think you should warn for. It's just my personal pre- preference. And when somebody does that to me and they don't warn me, I put them on a list and I will never read their work again. Nancy asked, do you warn for stalking? I knew a non-fan who freaked out reading a Facebook post about stalking. You know what? Fine line between being a good, conscientious person and wrapping all the people you know in cotton. Now, I don't post pictures of spiders on my Facebook. I know I've got a few friends who have arachnophobia. And I don't post clowns. Mm-hmm. I think they're the fucking devil. <laughs> but I yeah, post but, all yeah. kinds of things on my Facebook. And if you don't actually want to see them, just turn off your notifications or unfriend me. I mean, there has to be a line, right? Where does your responsibility to another person end? I think it's about intent. If you posted that knowing how that person felt and knowing they would be upset and offended, then, you know, maybe you're a jerk. But if you didn't know they were going to get all freaked out and flip out and just lose their shit because you posted a story about somebody being stopped on Facebook, then that's not your responsibility.
Well, clowns are terrible. Yeah, here's here's one of the major differences between you and I, or actually two of them. I don't have um, my phobias are are a little different than yours, and so mine actually mine are a lot different. I don't have the, the clown problem or the the spider problem, but I have the intrinsic respect for the community I'm in that I'm not going to sit there and troll my community um, and be an asshole, you know. Um, I've actually sat there and watched a National Geo thing on spiders and thought it was fascinating. But, you know, that's just me. And, you know, but I wouldn't sit there and put a link to that thing up in um, – in Minion headquarters because that's just cruel, you know. I certainly wouldn't do that thing for for um, for clowns either because again, it's just cruel. If I'm going to write a story where something happens off screen, okay, and there's discussion of an event like a rape or uh, torture or what have you. To me, I'm, because of that respect, I'm going to put it in because I don't know who's going to be reading my story, okay? Um, and it's going to be, you know, somebody may pick this up who has trusted me through other stories, and I've, you know, um, been the, the 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 bearer of the goodwill, and if I break that, that's yeah, that's bad. That's that's something that that has a lot of um, of consequences that you know I don't want to put on anyone. So, I have a question here. Kira, would you read a fic about a bunch of clowns getting killed? No, because this is what would happen. I would see the fic, and then there would be a summary that says a bunch of clowns get murdered, and I would go, nope. Because I'm an automatic no clown. I don't need to go any further. <laughs> a bunch of clowns, no. One of the worst things that ever happened to me watching TV was I was watching um, that show with the really good-looking blonde-headed guy in it, and Robin Tooney, um, The Mentalist. There was an episode of The Mentalist, mm-hmm. right? And I'm watching it. And those of you who watch The Mentalist, you know immediately where I, where my head is right now. And so there's this um, murder in the garden, and the camera pans, and there's this creepy-ass fucking clown standing there. Oh, my God. I screamed. I'm like, ah! It's just like, it was like totally unexpected. It was totally unexpected. And then there was a whole bunch of creepy-ass clowns in the street. There was a flash mob of clean. I had to fast-forward through most of the episode. terrible. Just terrible. But yeah, I do think that you have to um to be considerate, but there is a line where somebody else's reaction to your fic is not your responsibility. And if you go into posting a story and, and you've posted and you've warned for anything that you think should be warned for and you get blasted because you didn't warn for out of character or you get blasted for 
writing about a political theme where apparently you're supposed to warn for that. Fuck you, don't never warn for politics. Or they don't like who you put on bottom and you should have warned for that. How dare you do that? I would never read Harry, Harry Potter on bottom if I'd known what you were going to do, you terrible, terrible person. You can't see me right now, but I'm making a jerk off motion. <laughs> I'm jerking off my theoretical dick as we speak, okay? That's how stupid I think that is. Is it three times that. the size of your thumb? Of course it is. Absolutely. <laughs> For the record, my mom saw that picture and she looked at her thumb too. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, um, I just, um, don't, I think as long as you approach the situation, um, with good intentions and good faith and, and you warn to the major topics like abuse, sexual assault, rape, pedophilia, um, that you'll be okay. Um, one thing I would tell you is something I see. And something that was done to me, I was read the story, and um, there came a point in the story where I had to stop, and I went back to the person who wrecked it, and I said, is there rape in this? And she said, well, no, not really. There's a part where Ziva forces Tony to have sex with her. Oh. What? I want to know what world you live in where that's not rape. Uh Right? Yeah. Um, so never refer to rape as someone being forced to have sex ever. Don't ever do that. Don't be that person. Oh, well, you know, he was forced to have sex. No, he was not. That's not sex. That is not sex. And referring to it as sex is the most offensive fucking thing you can do. Just saying. Catherine says, how about a warning for every time Rodney mentions his citrus allergy? I think people with food allergies who write Rodney, um, keep that in mind because if you don't have a food allergy, you have no idea what it's like to go into a place and wonder how much on their fucking menu could kill you. I happen to have several food allergies. One of them is fatal. I have to carry an EpiPen. And um, when I go into restaurants to serve certain kinds of soups, I can't have any of their soups in fear of cross-contamination. I hate to tag non-consensual sex. It's because they're afraid to, to admit they wrote rape. Is, is that what that is? Well, fuck that. Don't read them. They can't be trusted. Mm -hmm. Someone who would use the term non-consensual sex just cannot be trusted with your mental well-being. Don't go there. I have Benadryl. I carry um, EpiPen. And um, I have uh, a fatal food allergy. And I, you don't, you don't understand unless you have one. So whenever you see somebody in fandom who is, particularly serious about Rodney's food allergy, it's because they probably have one of their own. 
And there is nothing quite like knowing that something you put in your mouth of your own free will could kill you. One of the things I made sure to note in my stories, um, I have a food allergy. Mine is relatively mild, thank goodness. Um, I'm not going to push that particular allergy to see if I can get it to be any worse than it is. But one of the things I mentioned, and it was brought up by, honestly, I think it was it was a retrograde um, is the story. But um, you get a bunch of humans from Earth, and you throw them into Pegasus, and you get them eating food from Pegasus. There's going to be food allergies, all right? They're going to be of things that, you know, Rodney may be allergic to citrus here on Earth, but the Pegasus version he may be perfectly fine with. Um, somebody may be, at, you know, great to eat every Yukon gold potato, you know, dripping with butter and sour cream and all those good things here on Earth, but you give them a Pegasus version and they can't breathe. You know, it's food allergies. When you're in someplace new and you're using new foods, they're no joke. You've got to be careful. And so, they're super not um, a joke because your body is going to respond in a way you cannot control. I have a couple mm-hmm. of allergies that are not so severe. I'll get like hives or, um, but going into anaphylactic shock is the most terrifying experience I've ever had. I didn't look at There's it. no, I mean, it's like, um, I suffocated. Mm-hmm. And so, no, so when someone, you know, I know there's a lot of fix in the fandom where um, Rodney's um, allergy is taken seriously. But what I would say is that I think it's super offensive that his allergy was a joke on the show. Because there is nothing funny about being allergic to something like food. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who are allergic to citrus are actually allergic to citrus oils, which are in... A lot of things you would never suspect. It's also in like lemon and orange zest. So a lot of dishes that you would never think in a million years actually have citrus in them do. Like, did you know a New York style cheesecake has citrus zest in it? So mm-hmm. Rodney wouldn't be able to eat that? Yep, I've, I've made that. I mean, just imagine having a citrus allergy for real and a citrus oil and there are like, I don't even know how many different kinds of citrus on this planet. So you just couldn't look for lemon or orange. You have to look for every, every variation of citrus on the back of a label. And you can't even go into a seafood, um, a seafood restaurant if you're allergic to lemon. I mean, there's just no way you could actually go into a seafood restaurant as much lemon as there is in the kitchen and out in the dining room. That's just waiting for Yes. Yeah, grapefruit seed is used a lot in lotions and shampoos and soaps. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the food allergy being treated like a joke in, in canon is, is super offensive. It's super offensive. I did know that um, Compact Lens Solution uses nickel sulfate as a stabilizer because I actually happen to be allergic to nickel. Yeah. 
one's new. Okay. I get a skin rash when I'm exposed to nickel. <laughs> yeah, thankfully I don't have that one. So I can't even hold my own change in my in my hand. Pick up a because nickel's used in a lot of coins um, for stabilization because mm -hmm. it's a really hardy metal. So um, I can't really hold any of my change in my hand for a long period of time. Money's just filthy huh. anyway, so. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Peanut oil. Peanut oil is in everything. Yeah, that one got me. Uh, Zor, um. I can't pronounce it. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep calling you by the mangled name. As he uh, comments that uh, she didn't like how they used Rodney's hypoglycemia as a joke either. Yeah, not so much, no. You know, um, there's, you know, a couple of my friends who are living with that particular condition, and no. Yeah, it's just not a hope. Rolling back into um, into how you know characters are treated in canon, how you um, um, how you differentiate. You've got in what might have been where Rodney is basically cured of hypertension, onset of heart farsightedness, heart attack, and his hypoglycemia, but was left with his um, allergy to citrus. Yeah, that's because um, an, an allergy is uh, a systematic response, and um, I couldn't figure out how and what could be changed in his body that would prevent the production of histamines in response to a foreign agent in his body. And that's what an allergy is. It's your body hyper-responding to something in your body. And that's why they give you antihistamines to reduce the amount of histamines in your blood to stop the reaction of the, to stop the allergic reaction. And I couldn't figure out what could be fixed that would fix that. So, I mean, you know, because the hypertension and the heart, the, he just grew him a new heart. He gave him a new heart. And, you know, there's this, and he reproduced some of his organs. He cloned them and, and gave him several new organs. But doing that, I don't know how long, I don't know how that could have been possible in the procedures that Thor did to change that about Rodney. Um, I actually did allergy shots for 10 years, and it didn't help me. I did allergy shots for my hay fever, and it did not help me. So then those of you who have been listening to my radio show for a long time already know that. <laughs> but, no, I never really had any improvement at all. I have, I have hay fever. 
Um, I unfortunately, if if it blooms in my neighborhood, I'm probably going to be sneezing, um, and my eyes are going to itch, and you know I'm not a happy camper with that whole lovely, lovely exposure to what happens when plants decide to, you know, have fun with other plants. Um, it's just the most miserable times of the year when that happens. But I guess that's one of the reasons why, and then, you know, also dealing with people who have have the allergies who, you know, and, and being aware of what's going on, why I try and be, at least in this, a good citizen and make sure that, that you know, um, I don't blow it off. That is not something that's funny, you know. Um, hell, I, I even try and make sure that if it's something that, that you know, um, is a legitimate thing that I'm using as a plot point, that the information I put in there is correct, okay? Because you never know when somebody who, you know, um, is going to, you know, read it and think about it and it's like, oh, hey, you know, I learned something here. So, you never know when it's going to come in handy with, with folks. Sometimes you can teach even if you don't really mean to. I just think that you need to be careful and mm-hmm. be considerate. And if you if you make a mistake, you know, own up to it, apologize for it, and move on. Um, don't dwell on it. I mean, you know, you can't, like I said, you can't hold yourself responsible for the emotional reactions of others. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had someone send me a really, really super long email complaining about my dimensional shift story and it's in my Harry Potter it's a um, Harry Draco story and um, Harry goes through all these worlds and some of them are pretty terrible and I actually haven't written all the worlds that I've plotted um, I have a whole bunch of turns to add to that um, and they were really upset about the content of the story and Also really upset that when I finally settled Harry on a world, it was a world where his were living. That really upset them too. And I am not responsible for their upset. I'm just not. It's not my problem. Um Sometimes people get upset with you if your story doesn't go in the direction that they wanted it to go, and they can be extremely unreasonable. Um, Tell them to kiss your ass. They were upset because there was some worlds where it was terrible and it wasn't fluffy, and um, then I put... uh, Harry on a world that was so different from his own, which honestly, that was the point. Uh, But, you know, uh um, I told them um, that their reaction to my story wasn't my responsibility. 
And then I told them to stop reading on my site because they weren't banned them or anything. But I told them they weren't welcome because I'm not going to put up with that shit. You, yes, you do have a responsibility to, to warn. If you do something fucked up in your fix, you need to warn for it. Character death, rape, torture, murder, child molestation, pedophilia, whatever, just warn for it. But if you're just going about your business and they don't watch how your story is going, going and they claim that it upset them or triggered them because it didn't have the ending they wanted, tell them to kiss your ass. Just literally tell them to kiss your ass. Because that's just stupid. Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's a large number of them. All right. Oh, but you know, that isn't even the worst thing I ever got. Um, there, there was somebody in the chat room who was bitching because I had a gay couple in Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond. <laughs> oh, I was God. made aware of this. So you should realize that when you misbehave in the chat room, someone is going to come tell me. I got told mm-hmm. by multiple people. And not just a mod. I did have some moderators come and tell me, but I also had other people come and tell me. You will not believe what was in the chat room, Kara. And then blah, blah, blah. And I got quotes. I even got a fucking screenshot at one point. Okay, so nothing you do in the in the chat room on my site, um, <laughs> if you're not alone, it's not going to be a secret for me if you misbehave. Um, I write slash... I don't appreciate someone coming into my chat room and saying no homo. If you had said that in my presence, I would have deleted you on the spot from my site. I will give people the benefit of the doubt, I but I do have my limits, and homophobia is number one on that list as far as, as, far as fandom goes. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, just confidentially between you, me, and all the people who are currently listening and who will be on the podcast later, I intend to write the filthiest gay sex scene for Harry Potter and Soulmate Bond that I've ever written in my life. And we're all looking forward to it. By the way, we've got about 90 There's going to be butt sex and rimming and blowjobs and more rimming and butt sex. It's just going to be filthy. It's going to be the filthiest thing I've ever written. And I'm including ties of bind in that. (laughs) I might even have a couple of I'm not sure how I created that position. Just surprise butt sex. We're all going to take a magical butt sex tour. That's what we're going to go on. Anyways, we're down to a minute. Um, next week on Friday, I will talk about my book, and maybe I'll be able to share an excerpt um, for the book and um, all that jazz. As far as, like, the short and drunks go, I don't have anything planned. If you have any special questions you'd like me to answer next week in Short and Junk, you can um, go to the page and ask me anything, and I may or may not feature you. It just depends on what catches my interest on the day when I'm getting ready to make the show. Say good night, Lady Holder. Good night.
And remember, no, no ass and mouth. That's right. <laughs> shut up and sit down.